Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and... Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning? Oh, look, I'm actually really good. You have, I, a, you have a shiny nose this morning. You I look do. like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> so I might have got a Very bit sunburnt on the weekend. Um, we sneeze. had our church camp, yes. which was awesome. Um, and then yesterday, a few of the boys went bouldering. Well, no, some of the girls did too. But I was there talking to people just in the direct sun, so I got a little bit, just a bit too much love from yes. the sunshine. yes. But I'll take it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was like, mm, nah. Bit of a tan line. Oh, yeah. yeah. Watch, you can see where your watch was. Yeah, you can see the watch was, which I, I'm not complaining about. I love the sun. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, nah, I'm good. It Go was, for a swim. Yeah. Get so, the beach. Bo- so Saturday morning and Sunday morning, we went down to see the sunrise. Couldn't see a thing because it was cloudy, but went for a walk, went for a swim, went, was hanging out with people. Oh, you know the love languages? Yes. Mine is like fully like physical touch and quality touch. Like those are two, my two big ones. So when I get to have like a whole weekend just hanging out with people, I'm like, <laughs> Love is fantastic. <laughs> um, no, so your love bank is full this so morning, full. just full and overflowing. Yeah, it was great, yeah. And what about you? How are you feeling this morning? Yeah, I'm feeling great this morning. Yeah. Um, God is good. Uh, preached up at uh, Foster Tun Curry Church. Okay. So a big shout out to all of the members up there. They are in the process of getting a Faith FM transmitter up and running. Nice. So Foster Tun Curry, if you are listening on the app this morning, you will not have to listen on the app forever because sooner or later they'll have a transmitter right there. So that's uh, pretty okay. exciting news for Foster Tun Curry Church. Great group of people. If you live in the area, go check it out. Um, they meet on a Saturday morning as uh, the Adventist churches do and they meet at 10 o'clock, have a great Bible study together. Just good times. Amazing. Yeah. So it was a good weekend then. It was a good weekend all around. Absolutely. Got some stuff done on the house yesterday. That's always a positive thing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. As we jump into the live show, if you're listening to the delayed broadcast, of course, you need to get the Faith FM Australia app so that you can listen to the live show when it actually happens. Mm. Anyway, it is Monday morning for everyone on the live show. Yes, it is. Manny, tell us some positively different news. Yeah, well, I will. But first, I just want to have a little like cheeky thing as I have, have the radio, I mean, the microphone for a second. Yes. Um, so... As we were just saying before, went on our church camp this weekend. And I've yes. just been thinking a lot about this. So I was talking to a couple of people and we're saying how, you know, if we can't talk about Jesus with our church crew, like, when are we going to talk about Jesus? Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so it was really cool because on Saturday night we just got talking and I really like story time. So I'm like, okay, let's talk about your life. <laughs> and I think what was the questions? Are? I think I said something about, you know, like, what has either kept you with Jesus or um, what has brought you back or whatever? And church, you know, like, and if, yeah, if you haven't watched been the thing. And so it was just really interesting to listen to kind of everyone's different stories and to like where they're from and what's going on. And anyway, so on the way home, we're driving back and I was pretty sleepy and someone else was driving and a couple of people had been having a conversation, which then the person who was driving was having with us. And we were talking about um, what it looks like to be church together. And so one of them saying, oh yeah, you know, I really, okay. If you commit to doing like the social side of church, I'll commit to doing the social side of church. Because it was just an awesome weekend, you know, like we're camping, it was great. We did church service and it took ages longer than we normally would have. But because we're outdoors, it feels Nobody more relaxed. Nobody really cares. Yeah. Everyone's just sort of chilling. Yeah, just chilling. And so I was like, man, we should do this more, right? Like, why can't we just have, you know, church in the park? Church? You know, we're kind of more along that line that we're thinking. Anyway, so these two people talking, you know, it's like, oh, I'll commit if you will. And that this person was just like, but you already have. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, well, 
You've committed to going to this church, haven't you? Yes. Well, that means you've committed to doing life with some of these people. Like, that's what doing church is about. And it just made me so happy to hear because I was like, yeah, why do we... And I think there's something COVID has done really interestingly is for a lot of people, churches become only about the sermon that you watch on the internet rather than the, hey, how do we connect in our small groups, in uh-huh, our outside uh-huh, this space? Uh-huh. When the government is saying you can't meet he- with heaps of people, what does it still like, look like to find your little niches and do that together? Yeah, and church when it is just a sermon on a screen is just That's a church, fraction yeah. of what church is, uh-huh, just uh-huh. a very, very small part of what church is. Yeah, fully. And it was cool because we were like, yeah, we were singing some songs and we haven't sung together for ages um, because, you know, like – COVID and things. You so can it, sing now. Oh, can we? Absolutely. Oh, praise the Lord. Yes. Anyway, so we're singing, and this random guy just comes over, and he's like, hey, can, can I come join you? And we're like, yes, you can. Come sit down. So we had a chat with him, and he lives apparently not too far away, so the pastor's going to try to hit him up and do some Bible studies with him. He's a Christian. like he, He's kind of been on journey with Jesus the past couple of years. But I was just thinking about like how much of a testimony it is to other people when we get together, right? And the Bible says that we're two or three gathered in my name, that will be. And I think there's something powerful to like, hey, we're doing life and we're doing community. We can invite others into that. Anyway, so that was just my little story for the weekend. I just wanted to tell you guys, so thanks for listening. Come again. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's fantastic. Um, social connectedness is is one of the most important factors, if not the single most important factor as far as all aspects of health go. Mm. And church is the greatest place to do that. I, I, it baffles me how many lonely people I meet. In the mm. community. Yeah. I mean, you do door knocking. I do door knocking. You meet lonely people. It's like, why are you lonely? Hmm. You know, there is a church just down the road. Go to that church. There are people in that church that want you to be there <laughs> each week. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You can have a whole social network right there with people who want to have a social. Why would you stay home and be lonely? <laughs> I think sometimes people don't know. They, don't, they haven't connected those dots. Okay, now you know. Now you know. Because you know. I just told you. <laughs> You've been told. I was like, there's no excuse. Church it's nice is like clear. the best thing ever. People are so down on church these days. I love church. Church is amazing. Mm. Look, some people do have really bad experiences, and I understand that. For sure. You, you know? can have bad experiences anywhere in life. Absolutely. You can have bad experiences in the workplace. You can have bad experiences at the local football club. You can have – having a bad experience is part of life. That doesn't mean that just because you had a bad experience at a particular location means that they are all bad. Mm. And someone told me something, oh, look, I'm going to get their wording really wrong. But essentially, they told me a little while ago, they're like, you know what, if you struggle with church, mm, they, this wasn't exactly what they said, but it was something along the lines of let that be your role is to see the people who maybe need someone and go be there for them. Because I, I didn't actually love church <laughs> all that much. I was like, oh, okay, I'll do it because Jesus gave us church and I feel like we should. You know, it's like, <laughs> all right, Jesus, teach me to love your people, you know. But sure. Um, but I'm very thankful for that. Like, And it's it's definitely a work that God's been doing in, in my heart and in my life. But it was a really – I was really appreciative of the fact that this person was saying this to me because I was like, yeah, hey, you know what? Sometimes that person in the corner, they might need me more than I need them, but maybe by me – making the effort to connect with them, it also, for me, goes, oh, you know what? I can be part of a change of a culture if it's not the best experience for people. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like if people don't feel welcome, it's like, okay, we'll go be the one to make them feel welcome. Like if that's if that's your gripe with church, go be the one to do something different. Like <laughs> I say that like it's all very easy, but, you know. <laughs> um, in actual other news stories, chuck one in there. We've got time. So I didn't know, quick side note, I didn't know that there were bears in Japan. I just didn't know that this was a thing. And so I felt very ignorant. But now I know. 
Um, you are no longer ignorant. Work on it. But, yeah, so there have been reports of bear sightings and attacks and city officials of Takikawa, that could be wrong, decided to do something. And so I just thought this was great. So the action looked like buying and installing a pair of monster robot wolves with flashing lights, uh, yeah, flashing red eyes, sorry, a blinking tail and a collection of loud threatening sounds, so like growls, roars and machinery noises, um, all triggered by motion detectors. So the point is to scare these um, bears away. Bear scarers. Yeah. And since the installations, and these, I think they've just been removed because of hibernation period, and then they'll come back, I guess. Interesting that the bears are more scared of wolves than they are of humans. Yeah. Well, it could be the fact that there's like red and like red eyes and blinking things and big loud noises. Yes. We don't have those. I don't know. Are bears curious animals? I don't know. Bears are very curious animals. I don't know anything about Japanese bears. I only know about American bears. And they can be very curious animals, particularly curious about your garbage bin. Oh, they, they, I've seen that, actually. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's kind of amazing. Oh, yeah. I was at summer camp once, and we went out and saw, like, three baby bear cubs just chilling, and they were like, oh, let's do the bins later. Let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, baby bears mean that there are mama bears uh-huh. around, and mama bears are very, very unpredictable. You don't really want to be messing with mama bears. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to have some more serious news, but we are welcoming Kelvin Langman into the studio right now. Kelvin, uh, good to see you here this morning. Good morning. Great to be here. Oh, and let's put that microphone on. There we go. Yep. Great to be here. Fantastic. Good We're looking to forward me. to uh, some uh, obscure, mm. weird, wonderful, and wacky things from the Bible this morning. Interesting to listen to what you'll come up for us. I should just mention that we have a snake under our desk. There is. So, do you know what Lyle did to me? I'm going to tell you guys. <laughs> I came in and I was like, Minnie. How do you feel about snakes? And I'm like, well, it depends on the context, doesn't it? <laughs> and he proceeds to be like, there's a brown snake under your desk. And I was like, what? <laughs> Minnie just about jumped. Minnie, believe me. Fully believe me. Well, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Jumped I, out of a chair. I just about standing on the desk. Something. But there was actually a brown snake under the desk. Was it? Well, but not a venomous brown snake. It's just no, the it's colour a is blind. Brown. It's a brown blind snake we found out. Yes. So it took us a bit of research to find out what it was. But it's in the rubbish bin under the desk. By us, we mean producer Liam. Yes. <laughs> Did that research. Yes. yes. Snake charmer Liam. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of, kind of cool. It was wriggling around here on the office floor a little while back and we had to um, mm. shoo it into a bin. It's about, what is it, maybe 200 millimetres long thereabouts? Died. Maybe a little bit longer. Yep. Maybe two fifty at the most. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty cool though. Yeah, now that it's not a brown snake under my desk. <laughs> now that it's not a brown snake, <laughs> and it's actually a blind snake, uh-huh. it's um, suddenly much cooler. Okay, so uh, let me see. Where are we up to? We've done the quiz. We have. I think it's all you. It's all me. Okay, so let's have some uh, more serious news this morning. So, Dr. Ben Carson, uh, the world's most famous uh, n- neurosurgeon. Um, and currently working for the Trump administration in the United States, former uh, presidential candidate for the United States, uh, came down with COVID, had a number of comorbidities that he was um, significantly worried about, and described himself as becoming desperately ill, mm-hmm. like as in really, really desperately ill, very, very heavy infection, um, and used the same experimental treatment that Trump used. It was approved by um, Donald Trump. And uh, claims that it saved his life. He bounced back just almost overnight. What were, do we know? What this experiment? Yeah, it is has a long name. I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Yes. But anyway, but it's not available to us anyway. Yeah. Um, so various agencies have been studiously 
blocking it. There'd be lots of conspiracy theories out there as to why that is the case. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're a friend of the president, then of course I get you get. You, I guess you get to use these kind of things. Mm. But um, yeah, uh, quick COVID update. Yeah, it is. It is hitting pretty hard at the moment, and a good friend of mine right now is actually dying from COVID. Uh, may already be dead. Uh, wasn't expected to live through yesterday. Whoa. Um, so yeah, a bit of a shout out to my friend Carl. Um, yeah, elderly man, but just like the most nicest guy that you would ever ever meet. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's been a whole bunch of um, COVID changes overnight. Uh, in various states, New South Wales included. So uh, the outdoor limit for outdoor worship services has gone from 300 to 500 and for gatherings on non-residential land has gone up, gone from 500 to 3,000. Ooh. So you can have, uh, you can have big church in the wilderness now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's a, uh, a change that's come through. There is a report here that I'm looking at on my – on the news report that says that, um, yeah, congregational singing is fine as long as everybody over the age of 12 wears a mask. Oh, interesting. Why over 12? I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that. But anyway, um, but as it may, that's the, that's the news report as it has come in. Anyway, um, positive news, positive people doing positive things. Matthew McConaughey, a famous actor from the United States, um, has uh, given a big shout out and a lot of help to victims. Well, not so much victims, but heroes of Australian bushfires. Hmm. We we've pretty much forgotten about the uh, bushfires that hit Australia, and you know, COVID sort of came along and we suddenly weren't thinking about it anymore. I was preaching up at uh, Tunkari Church, and of course, there were some pretty nasty bushfires went through mm. that region. And you know, there's there's members in that church that are still living in shipping containers. Wow! Uh, because of the fires, and doing a lot of work to support other people in the community. It's it's interesting that the people who are doing the most work to support other people that have been affected by bushfires are those who have been affected by bushfires. And, you know, this particular lady was just pointing out that, you know, when COVID came along, we forgot about the bushfires and we forgot about the bushfire victims. A lot of people lost their homes. They haven't got their homes back. And there are still people living in tents. Wow. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Matthew McConaughey is um, – Given a big shout out, he's done a lot of relief work, particularly in Australia for um, our wildlife, and particularly shouting out for those who refuse to be a victim. And this is something that he sort of made a a bit of a point of. You know, when crisis comes, you can choose to be a victim, or you can choose to be a survivor. Mm. And yeah, so yeah. Anyway, it is kind of interesting, though, isn't it, that you have someone who's overseas who. It's still in their mind when, like, as you said, we kind of have... Yeah, we've forgotten about it, but he's still thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But, of course, he lived in Australia for a while. Oh, I didn't know that. Just down the coast. He lived in uh, Warner Vale for um, about a year, um, which is uh, not far from where we're transmitting here in Newcastle. Mm. And so he's kind of close to Australia and, you know, the whole scene in Australia. Uh, done quite a bit of work out here in Australia, bit of, quite a bit of filming, that kind of thing, so... Yeah, he has. He's a uh, he's a Christian himself, a church attending Christian. Um, he is uh, goes to a non-denominational church and runs the Just Keep Living Foundation, which is um, about kids living 
active lives, making healthy choices, mm. and you know, combating a lot of the depression and so forth that we see as a result, and and getting kids not to see themselves as victims, yeah, as survivors rather than victims. So, yeah, something uh, very positive there. All right, what else have we got happening around the world? Okay, this is this is a very cool story. This is a very positive story. Uh, this is a new invention um, for smartwatches that helps protect victims of domestic violence and rape, but particularly works in cases of domestic violence. And the way it works is this. If you've got a, if you've got a smartwatch that has a SIM card, mm-hmm. um, you can just it's, – it's a piece of software where you just, you just hit one of the buttons on the side of the smartwatch, just bang, hit it. And what that will do is that it will instantly call a whole slew of people who are your support people. Mm-hmm. All of their numbers will ring simultaneously. And then when they pick up the phone, they can listen in to what's happening in your home. Wow. Now, not only can they listen in to what's happening in your home, but they can talk to each other. And not be heard. And not be heard. So they can talk to each other. They can say, okay, we can hear such and such happening in such and such a home. We know that this person is a vulnerable person. Uh, What plan of attack do we take now? Do we head over there? Who's closest? Who can go? Who can't go? Uh, Do we need to call the police? You know, what needs to happen right here? So just bang, hit one button and you've got instant support. They did a, uh, they've done a practice run with it with uh, 3,000 people over 12 months just to see what the results were and to see how it worked. And 97% of, it was particularly women, who had this because they are a vulnerable population. 97% of them uh, gained said, they said that they gained significant benefit and felt significantly more um, safe as a result. And it increased that dramatic increase in their emotional health and their mental health as a result of just having this app on their on their watch. So just to know that they had the option. Just to know that they had that option. Wow. And I think that's a fantastic piece of uh, technology right there. We need to have uh, more people out there thinking up uh, more of these kinds of things. Um, okay, something a bit more. Uh, we did say we talk about platypuses. They have just been listed as a threatened species. Uh, 32% drop in population numbers, uh, which is one step under endangered species. Oh, so, sad. yeah, it is very sad. So, um, yeah, good to have Matthew McConaughey sticking up for our Australian wildlife. But. Um, it's kind of sad because I love platypuses. They are kind of the coolest little critters around. Apparently they're called platypi when there's multiple. Is that right? I have no idea, but I would be happy to use that word. <laughs> Either or. Either or. Platypuses or platypi. Okay. Either is acceptable. Okay. I, will, I will go with platypi. I think that's actually, uh, <laughs> that's actually very cool. All right. Uh, we've got a bunch of text messages coming through, but we'll get back to those after the interview. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We've been discussing the merits of snakes and mm-hmm. blind snakes and whether this is a snake or a lizard. We are getting closer to the truth. We have been told <laughs> that it doesn't live here. Well, this particular one does. Mm-hmm. And I do know that they live down in Sydney because I dug up a whole heap of them down in Sydney one time. Uh, but we're going to find out, is this a snake or is it a legless lizard? Maybe there's a, maybe there's a snake person listening in who can tell us whether the blind snake what is this? Mm. I don't know why it's a blind snake. It looks like it's, looks like, it looks it like looks it's like got it's, eyes. Yeah. It does, it doesn't, doesn't it? It looks like that. It looks like eyes. Kelvin? Yeah, they're not easily visible, but yet you can definitely see the eyes. Yeah. They look like they've got scales over them. Yeah. They're a little dull to see, but yes, definitely, definitely eyes. There you go. Anyway, 
Uh, it is interview of the daytime. We are super thankful to have Kelvin Langman joining us this morning for the show. Kelvin is the expert on all things uh, weird, wonderful, obscure, and wacky in the Bible, and so we are keen to find out what obscurity you have found this morning, uh, Kelvin. She's, uh, I can see the the the, 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 the cogs churning there. It's like, okay, how do I introduce this how, subject? How do I? Um, I'm going to introduce the scientific um, subspecies of hippo. Okay. What is a hippo? A subspecies of? Well, it's the species. The species. Species, sorry. Uh-huh. Well, it's not a bovine, If is it? dogs are canid mm-hmm. and cats... A feline, then what is a hippo? Right. You would think it would be a hippopotamus, wouldn't you? You would yeah. think so. Well, it's not. What, what do you mean? is a hippo? Hippo is the scientific name for a horse. Interesting. It, it is weird. That's a weird way to start, isn't it? That's is a very it? weird way to start. Yes, it is. Why so horses are actually hippos. What are hippos? Hippos are actually um, unicorns. What? Yes, unicorns, because you love unicorns. I thought rhinoceroses were unicorns. <laughs> well, you are, but you've, the Latin is a little bit weird in the way it describes things. Interesting. So we're talking about horses in the Bible. Uh-huh. Yes. All right. And we're going to end up in Revelation, because I know you are... Spe- I'm so confused <laughs> at the moment. I'm confused between rhinoceroses, hippos, unicorns, unicorns. and horses. <laughs> yes. All right, so let's talk about horses. Okay, so in um, horses... When they're described in the Bible, like we first have them mentioned in Genesis, and it's to do with Joseph in Egypt. So the story, Joseph, he rises to be the head, the, the foremost leader in, in Egypt, other than Pharaoh himself. And how does he do that? He buy, well, he sells grain. Mm. He collects the grain because of a, a vision, because, because of a dream that God gives him. So because he's able to answer the dream for Pharaoh, Pharaoh wants to honour him. So what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh puts him on a chariot and parades him through Egypt. Yes. Right? So from this, we get the concept that anyone that rides a horse or that rides a chariot is someone to be honoured. Hmm. We find that also in the story of uh, Esther with Mordecai. Yes, we being do. honoured by riding in the king's chariot through the yep. uh, streets of the capital city. Yep. So just a couple of chapters on, in chapter 47 of Genesis, it's very interesting because um, Joseph keeps selling grain, but people run out of money. So what do they do when they run out of money? Well, they sell their land and then they kind of sell themselves and they pretty much sell up everything that they've got. The Bible, so everything is sold. The Bible mentions they sold their horses mm. and their livestock. It doesn't mention horses as part of the livestock. It mentions them separately. Separate. Mm. What's the significance of being separate? Well, does this mean that it depends on the, the people who own the horses have to have some kind of rank of something? Or just based on what you're saying? No, that's not right either, though. Well, it, horses were not an... Um, a common commodity mm. in the early stages of the Bible. Yeah, yeah. yeah, particularly particularly in Egypt. Yes. They were they did not originate in Egypt as a place where, you know, horses were used. So they were quite expensive. Like yeah. you use them, you know, they're worth more than cattle, and that's why I think they're mentioned separately. 
Um, but when they when they sold when they bought all the grain that they could and sold you know with their horses and livestock, the next thing they did was sold their property, and when they ran out of that, then they sold themselves. Mm. So they sold themselves to Pharaoh. They sold their land to Pharaoh. So they became bond servants. Yes. Yep. So for a period of seven years, they were um, owned, contracted. Yep. Mm. They were owned by the state. So later on, the next mention that you have in Scripture is um, Exodus, and you've got Pharaoh chasing after the Israelites. So he goes in on dry ground, and he's, the Bible mentions that his wheels fall off the chariot. Hmm. Yes. So it's, it's diabolical, isn't it? Like how would you, in the middle of a sea, your wheels fall off, how are you going to put your wheels back on and get out of there before the uh, ensuing tsunami? And this is interesting. The chariots, the Egyptian chariots, were fairly f- flimsy in many ways. They were built very, very light so that they could be incredibly manoeuvrable yep. and so a little bit fragile. And this was deliberate for warfare. Mm. That's right. Um, so this then introduces us to the Assyrians. So the Assyrians were probably more prominent before the Egyptians, weren't they? They were. They were. And when the Egyptians came on the scene, I think the Assyrians sort of were backing off in their power and strength and their total dominion of the earth at that stage. It kind of ebbs and flows, but they were great rivals with each other. Yes. So what's interesting about um, Assyrian warfare, they were very effective at warfare because they would use the chariots to go into battle. They would bring their infantry or their footmen, foot soldiers, they'd jump on a chariot, race them out into the thick of the battle, dump them, come back and grab more so that you didn't waste time and effort running into a battle. Oh, hey. That's right. Absolutely. So you arrived at the scene of the, the, yep. the battle. Ready to go. Refreshed and yep. ready to go. While the, while the opposition had expended their energy in an infantry charge, mm. yep. you were able to deliver your infantry fresh and ready to go. This was because the Assyrians had a professional army unlike everybody else. Right. They, had, they actually tra- had trained soldiers. Nobody else in the world at that time had trained soldiers. So the experts in their area, and that's, I think the Egyptians, I don't know whether they just bounced off them or whether they just mimicked some of their technique, but they were very big on owning horses, the Syrians as well as the Egyptians. But let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verses 16 and 17 and see what the Bible says about horses. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 17. And let's see what we've got over here. Chapter 17, verse 16, you said? Chapter 17, verse 16 and 17. Yep. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said unto you, you shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply himself with silver and gold. This is part of the constitution of ancient Israel and instruction to kings. Kings. Mm. That's basically God comes along and says, look, when you rebel against me and you're not satisfied with my leadership and you decide you want to have a king, this is how the king will live. Why not own horses? Well, indeed, because I mean, horses—if you've got cavalry, if you've got chariots—I mean, they were the uh, they were the ancient version of you know your main battle tank right there. Yep. And if you wanted to strengthen your they kingdom, were decisive, absolutely decisive uh, um, weapon that you had in your arsenal as a king. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, want to have a stronger kingdom? Why wouldn't you want to improve your arsenal? Why wouldn't you have more horses? Why does the Bible say 
don't multiply. It doesn't say you can't have horses, just says you can't multiply horses. So you can't have many horses is what it's saying basically. That's right. And it's, you should also not be multiplying gold and silver and wives. So this was, a, this was a good system that God had set up here where the king wasn't just there to make himself rich. He was actually there to serve the people. It was a, was servant, a, it was a servant kingship that was set up. But I think part of the answer to your reason might lie in the story of or be illustrated in the story of Gideon. Ooh. In which way? Well, in the story of Gideon, you've got a situation where you've got 120,000 uh, um, coalition forces of Midianites, Ishmaelites, and Amalekites who come up against Israel, and Gideon takes them out with 300 men. Yes. I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot more than 300 involved in the battle by the end of the day, but he starts with 300. So you're saying their strength of battle was in their weakness. Exactly, because... They were relying on God. They were able to rely on God. Yep. When, you, when you don't have the horses, when you don't have the... Um, and this is also, I think, might be illustrated in the reason why God said, don't number the people. Don't take a census. Right. Because the census was all about figuring out how strong you are. Is that why? And relying on yes. your own. Yes. It was. Because like, you don't need that information. Yeah, right. why, do you, why do you need to know how strong you are? Uh-huh. I'm God. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're rejecting God because you're relying on your own strength. Yes. So I, those are my thoughts there, Kelvin, but I'm keen to hear what you come up with. Well, this is what I've come up with. You've, you've stolen my ideas. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I can't think if any listeners out there have got better ideas, I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy to open to hear them. It is a strange, it is a very, very strange thing to say. And but it, it is very counter mm. the opposite of... You know the whole culture of the ancient world. Many, you were going to say something. No, well, I was going to say that it, that kind of makes sense there because of the cultural aspect of it. Yeah. Like for us, it's we're like this doesn't make sense. But if, as what we we're talking about, that was the culture. It makes to me a lot of sense that God's going, hey, because how often do we see in the Old Testament that the people are constantly leaning towards the culture around them, and God's like, man, I've set you guys up. I want to bless you and bless others through you. If you're consistently like doing what they do. And going, oh, actually, we can do it without God's help. You're going to miss that that blessing and that opportunity to share. Absolutely. You know I mean? like in my head See, this is interesting because ancient Israel should have been famous for being able to defend their land yeah. without having a standing army, without having um, you know chariots and horses mm. and so forth. That's what they should have been known for. Yeah. You know, Sparta is known today for defending their land without having walls on their cities. Yeah. Because okay. you know when you when when you ask a Spartan, we you know famously when a Spartan was asked, well, where are your city walls? He just held out his spear and he says. My city walls are at the tip of my spear. Uh-huh. Why yeah. do we need walls? We have men. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, and the and and the Israelites should have been known in much the same way as like, why do we need walls? Why do we need horses? Why do we need chariots? We have God. Yeah. Which when they first come out of Egypt, right, people kind of did know they were scared of their God. Oh, absolutely. They were like, terrified oh, of their God. These people don't mess with these guys, their God is uh-huh. bigger than ours. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Early on in the Bible, it doesn't mention a whole lot about horses, but then when when you get to King David, and especially to King Solomon, they're instructed not to multiply horses. Mm. And yet, what do they actually do? They multiply horses, they multiply wives, and they multiply silver and gold. Yes. They do exactly the opposite (laughs) of what the Bible said that kings should or should not do. And yet, God still blesses them. Yes. That's the thing that I find. Mm. Yes. God is is patient with us and long-suffering. 
So David, it says that he um, had enough horses. He re- reserved um, over a hundred chariots when he went into battle. He he basically reappropriated the, the spoil of of battle. Um, and that's that sound in Second Samuel eight verse four. Um, chapter fifteen talks about it, and chapter one in First Kings talks about Solomon doing much the same with his chariotry, um, and he imported horses from Q, which was in Cilicia. And he, he bought chariots from Egypt. So he increased his ability for warfare because of that. But it's interesting, Megiddo happened just at the end of Solomon, was it? Because um, when they excavated Megiddo, they found that there were stables there and there was enough room for 480 horses and over 160 chariots uh, there was enough room for 160 chariots there. That's so a can very, see, very significant number. By this stage, yes, they built up their strength in themselves. Mm. Yes, rejected God, and really, yeah. And Megiddo was not a, a nice ending story, though, was it? No, Megiddo has um, a bit of a history of having not nice ending stories. Yeah. So the example there is, you know, don't rely on your own strength. You've got to rely on God's strength. And like you mentioned with Gideon, like Gideon was actually, you know. Having God come to your rescue is is where all of us want to be, hmm. you know. So that's interesting because from. you have actually a bit of an interesting contrast there. Because okay, you've got I think it was Josiah who um, who fought against the Egyptians at Megiddo because he had all of his horses and his chariots and he felt pretty powerful. And of course, he got smashed. Um, but if you go back to the first battle of Megiddo, which took place with Deborah, you have a situation where the Bible describes the Israelite armies as two small flocks of sheep. And uh, you know there was that they were relying totally one hundred percent on God, and when they relied you know totally one hundred percent on God, they actually fought a battle of annihilation against Caesar and his army, mm. in that there was not one single solitary one of their enemies that escaped alive. You know, it was, Impressive. you know, and that's that's what happens when you. There's a big contrast there between relying on God and relying on chariots. I've never actually seen that particular contrast before, but now that you mention mm. it, because I'm actually, well, mm-hmm. I'm preparing a sermon on this for next Sabbath. If anyone wants to come to Tari Adventist Church, <laughs> I will be there preaching on this particular subject, not the subject of horses, but the subject of Megiddo. Anyway, Kelvin. Langman, thank you so much for coming to us this morning to talk about horses and enabling us to learn something about horses that we never knew before. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.